Matthew chapter 9. Um, I'm going to set the stage for you this morning uh, real quick. Um, you know, I, I've actually uh, preached from this passage of Scripture before, but um, as I was getting ready this week, I felt like the Lord was drawing me back to this. And so um, today I want to talk about the love of the Father. Can you look to your neighbor and say, the love of the Father? Now look to your other neighbor and say, the love of the Father. I'm going to talk about the love of the Father this morning. And so I'm going to kind of set a stage for you real quick. Again, about the love of the Father, we're going to set the stage. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 34 and 35, and I'm reading out of the NIV, it says, um, it says this, it's in Matthew chapter 9, it says, Jesus went through all the, all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. Uh, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And actually, I think I, I might have put 34 and 35. Sorry, guys. It's actually 35 and 36. So <laughs> Matthew chapter 9. I'm reading out of my special translation today. Uh, verses 35 and 36. It says, Jesus went through all the villages, towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. God, I just pray right now that you will open up our hearts and our minds to what you have for us this morning. Father, I pray that we will have the heart of the Father. I pray that we will have the love of the Father this morning. Um, I pray that you will minister to us in new ways. I pray that... Um, your spirit will quicken in us and move in us just to will and to act according to your good purpose, God. God, I know that no one's here by chance or happenstance, but everyone is here for a very specific and a divine reason, God. And I, I pray that you will do your work. We know your word is so powerful. We know it's living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. God, we, we know your word is mighty. It's, it's like a mighty hammer that bashes the rocks to pieces, Father. And I, I just pray that your word will do its work. In your holy name, amen. So when Jesus came and ministered, um, you would think that when he came and he, he, he spoke, you'd think that he would maybe focus on the, the religious elites. You'd think that maybe he'd focus on the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. Maybe he'd focus on the really important people. Maybe he'd focus on the, the, the rulers. Maybe he'd focus on... Uh, and on uh, the, the popular people, but it's, it's interesting when you look at Jesus' life how um, he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom and he was healing people with diseases and sicknesses and as he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because he saw them as helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It's interesting when you see his focus. It's not necessarily where you think it would be. Like if you think you wanted to make an impact on a community or you think you wanted to make an impact on the world, you would think that you would maybe pick people who were maybe a little bit more influential. But it appears like Jesus was focusing on people that had nothing to give back. They were people that were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So it's it's interesting. It's, it's, it's like counter... 
it's like countercultural. It, it seems weird that he would focus on these people. And so keep that in mind as we go. And I'm kind of setting the stage for you today. Um, keep that in mind when you go to Luke chapter 15, verse 1. It says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. The tax collectors and sinners... And, they were, and people were coming to him because he spoke as someone who had power and authority. He was a master communicator, and so they, they would listen, and they, would, they, 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 they loved what he had to say. And as, as he would speak, people would get closer to him, and they would lean in, and they were listening intently at what he was saying, like, like very non, non-COVID compliant, right? They were getting close. They were listening, the, the multitudes of people. And, 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 and here, the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear exactly what he had to say. But, in verse 2 it says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law murmured, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So like, wait a minute. Like, like, like if this guy wants to be influential, if he wants to be popular, if he wants to be... Inf- like, if, he, if he's supposed to be someone that, that's, that, 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 that's speaking to us, why is he talking with the tax collectors? Tax collectors are people that they, they weren't looked kindly upon. Tax collectors robbed people. Tax collectors were bad to people. Tax collectors filled their own pocket. Like, why? Like, tax collectors were like dogs. You, you didn't associate with tax collectors. And you didn't associate with sinners, too. So you're looking, and these are the people that are getting close to Jesus, the tax collectors and sinners. And I can imagine them talking to each other and saying, okay, there's Levi, tax collector. That guy robbed me last year. He's a jerk. He's a tool. I hate him. And Jesus is talking to Levi, Matthew, the tax collector. That's insane. I see that he's talking to this lady named Mary, and I know all about Mary. I know all about her sins. I know all about her, all the things in her closet. I know that Mary is a lady of the night. I cannot believe that Jesus is talking to Mary Magdalene. That's insane. And, and, and he's also communicating with these fishermen. I know this guy, Peter. This guy, Peter, has an anger issue, and angry people are bad people because he tried. I almost got in a fight with him the other day. They're looking, hold on, what's going on? These are, these are not good people. Tax collectors, sinners, ladies of the night, angry people. You know what's weird when I read this? I, I, see, I see maybe the same conflict in the church today. You know? Is this so weird? Like, like these are things that happened 2,000 years ago, and yet we still see these same things today. Like, like people even today, it's like they, they, they compartmentalize. They say, okay, this, this person is... God's love is like, like good for this person, not good for this person, good for the, not good for the church. Church is for this person, but not for this person. You see it here. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law murmured, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Can you look to your neighbor and say the love of the Father? Look to your other, na- of your, your other neighbor and say the love of the Father. The love of the Father. So Jesus looking, seeing, having compassion, communicating with tax collectors and sinners, being someone who spoke with authority and power, being the master communicator that he was, told them a parable. And this is what he said in Matthew chapter 15, down at verse 11. He said, and Jesus continued. He said there was a man who had two sons. Can you look to your neighbor and say two? Two. Now look to your neighbor and say sons. Two sons. 
Now, I, I like it. So, so, so from the very beginning of this parable, Jesus is setting the stage for a story. He's like, there was this guy who had two sons. He wasn't saying there was a man who had, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't like a boss and an employee where you're keeping track of your work and punching a clock and then paying him for the, for the good things that you do. It wasn't a boss and employee. He didn't say that there was a master and a slave where someone commands us to do whatever he wishes. He, 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 he's saying it's not, it's not some type of distant relationship, but he was like, there was a man who had two sons. Some people might say that, and what he's doing is he's drawing the equation between the father and the son and God and us. And some people might say that, that they believe that God is far off. They might feel like God maybe set things in motion long ago. They might feel like God doesn't care for them, or maybe, is, maybe God is just sitting on a cloud somewhere with a lightning bolt in his hand. But he was like, listen, there was a man who had two sons. There is intimacy to that. There's, there's love in that, hopefully. Do you guys love your kids? Maybe a couple of you. Maybe you, maybe you hate your kids. You hear that, you're like, oh my goodness, this makes me want to you know, you know, go out and drink. I don't know. But, but, but listen, there was, there was intimacy to that. There was a love to that. There was a close relationship, a connection that Jesus is trying to convey to his readers. He's like, hey, yeah, there was a guy who had two sons. There was, there was someone who had two sons. Two sons. Man, I have two kids. They're crazy. And, but, 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 but there's something special about the relationship that I have with my kids. There's something precious about the relationship that I have with my kids. I saw them both be born. It was insane. It was crazy. I don't recommend that for the weak at heart. Um, it's, it's like I, 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 I helped them through you know, feeding and diapers and, and everything. And, and they're still, you know, six and 13. Or they're, they're still crazy. But there's something special about a relationship that a parent has with their child. There's something special about a relationship that a father has with his son. And he, from the very beginning of this, of this passage of scripture, he's saying, listen, this is not some distant, far-off relationship. This isn't something where we have to punch a clock and do good things. This isn't, this isn't like a, a relationship between a boss and an employee. This isn't like a relationship between a slave and a master. But this is a relationship that a father has with his son, the love of the father, the relationship of, 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 the, of love with the father. And this is it's interesting. Some people might say, well, this is, you know, this is maybe the only spot in Scripture that speaks of this type of love. But I think that we can find this thread throughout scripture of this love for the father, love of the father. In Psalms chapter 103, verses 13 and 14, it says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, for we are God's workmanship. It says that we are his Handiwork. It says that we are his masterpiece. It says that we are his work of art. From the very beginning, he is laying the foundation that God wants to be in relationship with us. If you keep on reading, it says, But the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, this would have been... I mean, we read it, it might not seem like a big deal, give me my share of my estate, but, but this would have actually have been incredibly disrespectful for the son. 
because estates were not something that were settled while the person was alive, but estates were something that were settled once the person was dead. It showed disrespect, it showed impatience, it showed selfishness. Essentially, the son was saying to the father, Father, I wish you were dead. I don't know if you've ever had a kid talk to you that way or a child speak to you that way, but it's incredibly, ah, hurtful. So here's a father who had two sons. And the younger one came to him and said, Father, I want my portion of my, I want my, portion of my inheritance. I want, I, 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 give me my share of my estate. And, and ironically, and you can imagine the readers, uh, the listeners at the time, they, they were familiar with the Jewish laws, and they were familiar with the things that were, they were probably thinking, oh my goodness, this son is terrible, this son is so disrespectful, this son is so selfish, this son just is, is so mean, I can't believe this son would do this. Like Jesus is telling this story, again, you have to remember, he is the master communicator. Jesus is telling this story to, 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 to make them like almost like, like in shock of what he's saying. Or like, I cannot believe that the son would do this. So he's telling this story in shock. And to their surprise, the, the father actually divided up the state between them. I'm sure they're thinking, they're, they're like, what, what is going on? This story is wild. If you keep on reading in verse 13, it says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating no one gave him anything. Not long after that, the son, the younger son, got together all he had. He set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I was thinking about this. Think about the condition of the son. Forsaking the father. Selfish, give me what I deserve. And then he wasted it. He spent all that he had on wild living, and he, he was left with nothing. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever found yourself in a condition where, like, I don't know, have you, have you ever been there before? I mean, isn't that often the way that things go? Like, I don't think the enemy is often satisfied with, with just a portion of us, but, like, he masquerades as an angel of light, and he, but he's, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, I feel like, a lot of times when, when, when things happen in our life, like, like I don't know, it's, it's it, like maybe you're in a relationship and it started with a boom and sparks flew and you were on cloud nine and it was, it was so exciting and, and, and then suddenly everything ended as quickly as it began and, and you just kind of sit back and you wonder, man, I, I spent everything. 
I spent so much emotions on this relationship. I spent so much finances on this relationship. Like, I spent, like, I feel like, like, where I went was so much further than where I wanted to go. Or, or maybe it was an addiction that you had where it started off with just one look. It started off with one click. It started off with one drink. It started off with one, one gamble. It started off with one thing. And before you knew it, you had lost everything. I mean, it says here that, that, that he came to a point where after he had spent everything that he had, everything that the Father had given him, he had wastefully spent all of it. After he had spent everything that he had, he was living with pigs. And now, again, I, 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 I kind of wonder. I, I think about the, the listeners, and, 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 and they're hearing this story, and it's like shock because at one moment the son had the inheritance of the father. At one moment everything looked good for the son. The next moment the son was, 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 was being selfish and, and was saying that he wished his father was essentially dead. And he took the funds from his father's inheritance. And then he goes and he spends everything that he has. And he gets to such a point of depravity that he's, he, he's, he's living with and eating with pigs. The listeners, I'm sure, were gasping and looking at each other and thinking, are you serious? He squandered everything. He was wasteful with everything. He took everything. He was selfish with everything. And, and, and here he is. He's, he's reached the bottom, the pits of despair, and he is living with pigs. How many of you have how many have you have ever owned pigs? Raise your hand. Praise the Lord. So we 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 have actually owned a couple. So I, I grew up in southeastern Minnesota. We lived on a hobby farm and we 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 raised a couple of pigs. And um, these pigs were they were really cute when they were small. But as they got bigger, oh my goodness, they would eat everything. And they, they were very friendly, but they would eat everything. I remember one time my dad, for some reason, left a pair of his shoes in the pig pen. And uh, he came back later that day, and the, sure enough, the pigs had eaten, eaten the shoes. And um, they, would, they, they, were so, they were so friendly. They were so nice. They were so, they were so I don't know, they were nice. And I remember my dad, he, when, he, when we decided we were going to butcher them, they weren't even full-grown. My dad, when we decided we were going to butcher them, he made this contraption onto the trailer to, to take him onto the trailer. And they loved my dad so much, they, they followed him right onto the trailer to get butchered. It was like, oh, man, thanks, Dad. Um, and we had pork for years, years and years we had pork. And, I, and to this day, I don't really like pork. <laughs> what did you say? Did someone say something? Okay. Um, pork, pigs. But you know... I was thinking, man, there, there, there are some benefits to living with pigs. You thought about it? They're friendly. Pigs are very friendly. They can be a great time. Man, they can be lots of fun. Uh, they like the mud. They like the warm mud. They, they accept you just the way you are. It can be so comfortable for a season. But it's interesting, the, the, the longer you stay with pigs, you might not even realize it, but you, 
you begin to stink. And, and the longer you, <laughs> the longer you're with them, you realize that the bigger you get, you realize that their little, their little bites become, become scars. And um, if you're in the pen too long, it can leave scars. And pigs have this unquenchable hunger that can never be satisfied. They've been even, they're, they're even known to eat their own. Some of, some of us, I think, man, some of us, I, th- I think we know what it's like to live with pigs. And I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about pigs anymore. But some of us know what it's like to have spent everything, to have lost everything, to have hit the bottom, to have hit the, the brink of despair, to to experience scars. And the enemy, he, he, he comes in and he, he might just take a portion of you, but he takes you bit by bit by bit, piece by piece by piece. We get to this spot and it's like, man, I think sometimes we think, Man, have I gone too far? Have I messed up too much? Have I wasted my life? Have I... So how is the Father going to respond? You see in verse 17, it says, When he came to his senses, and this is speaking of the Son, he said, how many, of my fire, how many of my father's hired hands have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. How is the father going to respond? I can maybe imagine that the listeners would have said, the father will certainly reject the son. The son has gone way too far. The son has wasted way too much. The son has spent all of his inheritance. The son has been living with pigs, and pigs are unclean. I'm sure he stinks. I'm sure he smells. I'm sure he, uh, man, he, he's unworthy of the father's love. He's unworthy to come back. Uh, the, the father will definitely not accept him. The father will definitely push him away. The father will definitely... Uh, push him on the outskirts. The, the, the father will definitely not, not be associated with, with this son. The son is too dirty. The son is too sinful. The son is too disrespectful. The son is, is completely out of control. The son has done things that are unforgivable. The son has done things that, that the father should not accept him back. I mean, look at all the things that the son has done. There's no way that the son should be taken back by the father. I'm certain that when, this, when the father sees the son, I'm certain when he sees him, the father will reprimand him. I'm sure when the father sees him, he will not even let him back and become a servant. I'm sure when the father sees him, he will, he will curse him out. I'm sure when the father sees him, he will tell him to go away. I'm sure when the father sees him that he will uh, just say, get, get out, 
stay away. You've wasted too much. I, I, I do not forgive you. You can, you can leave now. I'm sure when the father sees him that he's, he's going to push him out of the picture. He has done too much. He has been too disrespectful. He has wasted too much. The depravity of his sin is far too wide. His, his, I mean, he has, he has gone way beyond the, the point of grace. He's gone way beyond the point of return. He should not have any mercy because of what he has done, because he has wasted what the Father has given him. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, I am so sure this is what will happen. But look at the Father's response. So when he got up and went to the Father, but while he was still a long way off, his Father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandal on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he was with him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. He answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a a, a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, who has squandered your prosperity with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father, said, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The love of the father. Sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult to wrap your mind around. To be honest... If I can be 100% transparent, sometimes I feel like maybe I can associate better with the older, older son. You know? It's like I've been good, I've been respectful, I've been helpful, I've been, I, yeah. Like, why are you showing compassion on people that are so bad? Anyone else ever been there before? You just want people to get what's coming to them. Amen? Yes, thank you. You just want people to get what's coming to them. You see that Ohio State fan and you see him lose. You're so excited. You just want to stick it to him. Praise the Lord. Yes. Sometimes I feel like it's so easy for me to relate with the with the Pharisees and the teachers of law, so, 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 easy, so it's, it's so easy for me to relate with the older son. And sometimes I wonder if this parable is really about the, the, the younger son or if it's about the older son. 
Like, sometimes I think maybe he's actually talking about the old, like, he, maybe he's talking about the older son, even though it's about the younger son. Like, he's, he's telling him, like, you guys are, are, are so focused on, on the wrong things. Like, like, my son was lost, but now he's found. Like, like that's something for us to be excited about. He was, he was dead, but now he's alive again. Like, 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 he's trying to, like, make them realize the joy of when your child comes home. I don't know if you've ever had a child that's wandered from the Lord before. Or if you had a friend or a loved one who's wandered from the Lord before. There is no greater joy of when they come back to be with the king. You know what I'm talking about? In 1 John chapter 3, it says this. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished. Can you look at your neighbor and say lavished? When I think of lavished, I think of the way that my daughter Genevieve uses ranch with salad. It's like boom, 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 boom. Lavished. Like I'll be like, do you want some salad with that ranch? Because she'll use like the whole thing and then she'll like take up and then like scoop it and then she'll like drink it out of the out of the out of the plate and ah, I'm like oh my goodness like she's a wild animal and when I look at the way that she lavished the ranch on this on the look at see what great love the father has lavished on us man it's extravagant it's generous it's it's overflowing on us that we should be called his children amen how great is the love the father has lavished on us it's not like it's not like little you know great love that he's lavished on us that we should be called his children john 3:16 for god so loved he didn't just little bit of love but he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in me in him shall not perish but have eternal life how great is the love the father has lavished on us i was looking through the psalms even in the old testament over and over and over and over and over again it speaks of the great love of our God in Psalms chapter 57 when David was writing as he was hiding in a cave from Saul fleeing from Saul you wonder how can how can he speak of love while he's fleeing from Saul while he's while he's while someone's trying to kill him he said for great is your love reaching to the heavens your faithfulness it reaches to the skies great love, so loved. Great is your love. I think when you realize God's unconditional love for you, it changes your perspective. We go home once about every year we travel back to Minnesota to visit my family and um, I always hate the drive because we go through Chicago and I hate Chicago anyone else? I shouldn't say I hate Chicago I dislike Chicago it seems no matter what time I go I could go at 4 o'clock in the afternoon during rush hour or I could go at you know 2 o'clock in the morning there's always terrible traffic and Inevitably, every time that we go, my daughter and has to use the bathroom every 45 minutes, and so our ten, you know, our 10-hour trek ends up being like an all-day trip. And 
And then, of course, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's just a bummer. And then you have to deal with the tolls, and you have to deal with the, the crazy drivers in Chicago. And then there's just a long portion of Wisconsin where there's nothing even there. You're just driving, and there's no scenery, and you're so bored, and it just drives you nuts. And then, you know, you get home to the, you, to the crazy farmhouse and my five crazy sisters and my uh, insane parents and all these things. And it's just, oh, my goodness. And it, it, sometimes I question, I'm like, is this really a vacation or is this like some type of insane like joke? Because you go there and my sisters are there and there's not enough beds and the cats are running around and my wife's allergic to cats and one of the kids pooped in the yard last time. I'm like, what's happening? Like, this is insane. I just, like, why in the world am I coming here, taking this journey? This journey is insane. But then... But then, that's a, preach it, Pastor. Um, but then I realize that there's something very special about being home. In many ways. But there's something very special about being home. And though the journey might be wild, uh, though the experience might be insane, there's something very special about being home. And you should see the joy on my mom's face, the joy on my dad's face when I come home. It's like, smile, like things can be chaotic, but they're so happy that their kids are home. And um, the reason that I tell you that story is that you might still be on the journey. Uh, you might still be stuck in traffic. You might still be in a spot in your life where it seems like everything's just boring, like Wisconsin. You're just driving. It's like, what's happening? You might be in a spot in your life where there's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of noise. But the Lord is calling. He's calling you this morning. He's killed the fatted calf. He's pulled together the saints. He's waiting to celebrate. Don't waste another moment. Don't waste another second, but realize that God and his love, he, is, he has this great love that he's lavished for you. This love that's, man, it's, it's undescribable. It's illogical because I feel like God should, God should love the good people more than he loves the bad people. And here, here he is, and he's, he's loving on everyone, which seems so counterproductive. It's indescribable. It's, it's maybe even reckless at times. It seems reckless. Like, why would you do this? Why would you, why would you kill the fatted calf for your son that, that disrespected you? But God has this great love, this this, this great love for you where he just wants you to come home. He wants, he sees you from a distance. He knows your inmost parts. He knits you together while you were still in your, mo in your mother's womb. He sees you right where you're at. He sees your struggle. He sees your stink. 
He sees the pegs. He sees the people that have been influencing you. He's seen your journey. He's seen your heartache. He's seen your pain. He sees you from a distance. 